Roger Nishioka is a Presbyterian pastor in Kansas, and he tells a story about Kyle and his parents. Kyle was nowhere to be found. Um, weeks after his baptism and his confirmation on Pentecost Sunday, he was noticeably missing. Uh, the confirmation class missed him too, uh, and were asking uh, questions about him, as was his mentor. So Kyle and his parents, um, they started attending the church when Kyle was in the fifth grade. And like, their attendance was really sporadic. And so Roger, the pastor, was, was actually kind of surprised as he was inquiring about confirmation class um, that they responded positively and they said, sure. And so they um, they attended the orientation meeting and they agreed to the covenant of um, two confirmation retreats, uh, a mission activity, um, connecting with a mentor uh, throughout the course of the year, and then of course attending uh, faithfully the, the classes and um, the events. Well, uh, Kyle was like awesome. He took this very seriously and he rarely missed an event or a class. And so he very quickly became a significant part of the class and he developed some really good, um, healthy relationships with the other students. And they, they hadn't really known him uh, and, until this point. Um, Kyle hadn't been baptized as a baby, so not only was he confirmed, but he was also baptized on Pentecost Sunday with the whole class. It was just this marvelous celebration. Uh, the confirmands uh, and their families and, and the mentors, it was just this very, very meaningful time. Well, that's when Kyle disappeared. And so uh, Roger decided to check on them. And, and when he checked on Kyle and, and his parents, they all seemed a little puzzled and surprised that their, their pastor uh, was, was calling to, to check up on them. Uh, Kyle's mom was just like, well, he's done, right? Isn't he done? I mean, he's baptized, he's confirmed and everything. Like, he's good to go, right? He's done. Today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Every second Sunday in January, uh, we read the gospel story of Jesus' baptism. Uh, Jesus is baptized uh, by John in the Jordan. And it's not the end of the journey. Jesus isn't done. Uh, his baptism marks the beginning of his story, the beginning of his ministry. So the heavens open, as Jesus comes out of the baptismal water, the heavens open, the Spirit of God descends, he's anointed by the Spirit, and God speaks. And the voice of God is heard saying, this is my beloved Son, and I'm pleased. And so God affirms Jesus, and 
God claims Jesus. Um, and it's pretty awesome. The, the theology of this space is amazing. So uh, before I was capable of knowing it, God loved me. Before I was, was conscious of belonging to anything, God claimed me along with my family and along with the church. Before I was even able to walk and take steps, God called me to follow and to serve. You know, in the story of Jesus' baptism, we oftentimes wonder about that, you know? Like, well, wait a minute. Jesus is the Son of God. He's sinless. A baptism, uh, especially what John the Baptist was saying was, was like repent and, and turn away from your sin. Um, and yet Jesus enters the waters of baptism. And so theologically we try to figure that out. And I was, I was reading um, Robert Brearley, um, a New Testament scholar, and I really liked what he said. He said the baptism of Jesus, the baptism of Jesus was with all the people. Jesus presented himself for baptism as an act of solidarity with a nation and a world of sinners. Jesus simply got in line with everyone who had been broken by the wear and tear of this selfish world. When the line of downtrodden and sin-sick people formed in hopes of new beginnings through a return to God, Jesus joined them. At his baptism, he identified with the damaged and broken people who needed God. And that's where we come in. Because that's who we are. And so every year on Baptism of the Lord Sunday, um, we read the liturgy together. And we remember our baptism. And so I, I spent some time with this, with this liturgy. And I was kind of uh, looking at the, uh, the key words in it. And it's pretty amazing. And we're going to be reading them together in just a little while. It says, we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. Like, we are included in God's mighty acts of salvation, which means that God has saved us from something. God is saving us from something, um, from sin and from death. It says that we are given new birth through the water and the Spirit. Like we become new creatures. We're free. We get a, a new start, a new life. And the commitment that we make uh, or that our parents make for us that we confirm later as young adults is uh, that, that we renounce and we reject and we repent of wickedness and evil powers and sin. We also make the commitment to accept freedom to accept the freedom that God gives us, freedom and power that God gives us to live. And what that freedom is for is uh, to reject uh, the evil powers of this world and to repent of our sin, but it's to resist evil, injustice, and oppression. We, we have the, the freedom and the power to resist evil, injustice, and oppression. And so that's like God calls us to do something about it. Like that's what following Jesus is about and that's what following Jesus means. And then when we get into the prayer that we'll pray in just a little while over the water, um, 
It talks of Noah and how Noah uh, saved the people through the water on the ark. And we talk about Moses who, as God's people were slaves in Egypt, literally in bondage, God delivered them through the waters of the Red Sea and then entering into the Promised Land uh, through the waters of the, of the Jordan River. And, and then we come to Jesus. Jesus Jesus' waters of baptism at the Jordan River with John. And our liturgy says that, that Jesus invites us to share in the baptism of His death and resurrection. So, in the waters of baptism, I am set free. I am set free from the law of sin and the law of death. I am set free to live in this, this new and powerful and, and beautiful way. I'm free. And, and yet, I am promptly invited by Jesus to share in His death. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? I become free uh, so that I can die. Um, Captain Ernest Gordon was uh, a second commander in the, the Scottish military. Uh, he was, with the, he was a commander with the 2nd Battalion. And he eventually became the, uh, the dean of uh, Princeton Chapel. Uh, but, but when he was a young man and we, when he was serving in the military, he served in World War II. And he became a, a, a prisoner of war in, in a Japanese prisoner of war camp during World War II, and he was there for three years. Uh, he wrote a book um, called Miracle on the River Kauai, and he gives this eyewitness account of their harrowing journey um, and their will to survive, but also um, the courage to forgive. And so one day, um, the Scottish soldiers were, uh, were forced by their, their um, Japanese captors, like, well, it was not one day, it was like in this time, they were laboring on this railroad. They called it the railroad to death. And so um, they, they were treated so badly, the conditions were so awful um, that, that the soldiers just began, to, began to, to degenerate into barbarous behavior against each other. Uh, one afternoon, a, a shovel turns up missing and the officer in charge became enraged and he threatened them and he said if, if, this, if this shovel uh, doesn't uh, reappear uh, then, then he was going to shoot all of them on the spot. Uh, he pulled out his gun and threatened them. He was going to shoot them on the spot if the, if the shovel didn't reappear. Um, and, and he was serious. Uh, they knew that he was telling the truth, that he meant what he said. And no one was stepping forward. And it was getting really tense. And finally, uh, one man came forward. Uh, and he admitted to taking the shovel. And so this officer puts away his gun, uh, picks up the shovel, and he brutally takes the man's life with that shovel. The survivors, after all of this were over, and as they're moving on to the next place, they, they carry his body with them. And they, they get to the, to the next checkpoint, the, the second tool checkpoint. And they counted all the tools, and all the shovels were accounted for. 
there wasn't a shovel missing. They had miscounted at checkpoint number one. Well, word of this spread like wildfire throughout the whole camp that an innocent man died for everyone else. And this incident had a profound effect on them. They began to treat each other uh, as if they were brothers. Um, it also had a, a profound effect that went further. When, when the victorious allies uh, swept in, these survivors, um, basically just human skeletons, they were lined up in front of their captors. And, and you know what happened? There was no revenge. There was no retaliation. Uh, there was no attack on their enemies. Rather, they insisted. No more hatred. No more killing. Now what we need is forgiveness. We share in Jesus' death, but we also share in resurrection. That's what flows from the waters of baptism. And that's what we remember today. So Mary Luti tells a story about forgetting the water. And I told this story last year, but I'm pretty convinced I'm gonna tell this story every year. Um, at a recent baptism, uh, uh, somebody forgot the water. And so the sexton, who is the, the building manager, uh, who normally filled the font, hadn't done it because he was ca calming the assistant who had discovered some mice and was freaking out that there were dead mice in the restroom. Not that she was afraid of the mice, but that she was uh, afraid of the, the property committee chair, who was actually kind of a tyrant. Well, the deacon hadn't checked because she had arrived late after 20 minutes at home, ransacking through the hamper, trying to find uh, some, some clothes that didn't stink so that the kids could wear something nice to church. The pastor hadn't checked for the water because she had been tied up in a conversation with a parishioner who needed to talk right now because somebody had removed a parlor chair and hadn't returned it. And would she please announce that from the pulpit today? Uh, the family hadn't checked because, well, they were the family and it wasn't their job. But when they brought the baby up into the chancel and, and they saw, uh, they said, no water. <laughs> well. The congregation chuckled. The pastor faked a non-anxious presence. The associate went running for some water. Uh, the, the organist began playing a hymn for everyone to sing. And by the third verse, the associate pastor was back and behold, there was water. Promises were made and a child of God became a disciple of Christ. What makes this story so powerful for me is the reflection that Mary Luti had on the whole thing. She said, in that moment, I wasn't sure why. I thought of all the places in the world where dead mice and committee tyrants and stinky clothes and parishioners sweating the small stuff would be the least of your worries. And where forgetting the water would be a total non-thing because there is no water to forget. And you have to walk miles and miles to find some. And sometimes it's too little or too polluted to do you much good. She said, I doubled over in wonder at this, in prayer and sorrow, in gratitude and shame. 
And then Mary Luti prayed this prayer. In water, we made promises, dear Christ. Hold us to them. Hold us to them. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, acknowledge what God is doing for us, and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you now, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? If so, say, I will. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth, tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit, and by this gift of water, call to our remembrance the grace declared to us in our baptism. For you have washed away our sins, and you clothe us with righteousness throughout our lives, that dying and rising with Christ, we may share in his final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. And now we take the water, remember your baptism, 
and be thankful. The Holy Spirit work within you, that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen.